Hello and welcome to Make Language Great Again. Today it is my great joy and pleasure to welcome again Johnny Vedmore, who we just recently talked to, but it was so wonderful and so informative and that so many things that are still to be talked about that we just had to do it again. So uh, welcome Johnny and Hi. pleasure to have you. And so one thing that I wanted to talk about before we go anywhere else is something that was on my mind, the entire thing that we did the last conversation. And it is, well, philosophy kind of. So here's the thing, we human beings, we like to have knowledge. Knowledge makes us empowered, right? I mean, we feel like we, feel like we have more control when we know what's going on. At the same time, at least in my experience, and I would love to know like your take on that, the deeper you dig, you eventually find yourself where you were as in, okay, so the world is kind of like it has always been in the Middle Ages, uh, there are all those evil games happening, but that's how it has always been, or maybe not always, at least for the past, whatever, some centuries, right? And then it's kind of, you, you research and investigate the evil doings, and then it's kind of like, okay, so now I know what kind of brand dildo they're using on me while they are raping me, but does this knowledge help me completely to, I mean, like, I know the brand of the dildo, I can, I know the detail, I know what's inside the dildo, does it help me to avoid rape and get rid of them? And then my own journey through that has been that, uh, it's important to know things. And I like, I'm a curious human being just like you. I mean, like, I, it, it, like it, I can't help it. I want to understand things. But at the same time, it's almost like that has to happen at the same time with reconnecting with your soul and training your soul and the very, very unglamorous spiritual thing that's eternal. That is like, there's nothing new about it. It's what people had to do all, you know, from the time immemorial. But then when you talk to people about it, Usually, well, everybody likes information. People love to feel empowered and they feel smart. And we're in the West. We know we are born with this kind of brain structure. Like we want to feel smart and intellectual, abstract thinking, all those things where detective stories are. We know. Now we know. We got them. And then if you start talking about soul stuff, I mean, people still like it too, but it's kind of like it's hard work. You can't get likes. It's something that you do on your own. It's hard. You bang your head on the wall. You cry. You scream and nothing makes sense, and then it's an internal journey. So I try to balance it, and it's always, you know, it's a very interesting dance. So that's why when, when I write, I do like part philosophy, part investigative thing, and then I notice that whenever I post an article that is like analytical or investigative, then, you know, like a ton more new followers, like, you, you know, like, great, great. And then when I do an article on philosophy, I can lose some sometimes, like, you know, like a couple. So I do it anyway, because I think that's, where the answers in many ways come from, in addition to everything else, including like investigative journalism and activism and all that. But like to me, it's almost like we've been in those those two past two, two years. They've been very revealing to many people as far as how much horrible things are happening and how evil things are and how they're the same as the Middle Ages. But then, so like, we come back to where we were I don't know when many evil things started or became prominent. And it's like, here we are with existential challenge. We have to address our own internals. We have to be decent human beings. We have to do things on the inside and also understand everything else. And I almost shifted from focusing like technical detail, great reset. I mean, like I still do all that. 
uh, like obviously he do that brilliantly and Whitney like completely brilliantly and many other things but at the same time I'm like but 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 soul is actually what's going to get us out of it ultimately so what do you think Right. Well, I think that human beings in general took a couple of hundred years to come out of that um, uh, God hypnotized God feeling. You know, yeah. it, it, it was it was a, a guy called uh, Tyndall and then Martin Luther who were able to translate the Bible for the first time and give it to people. Um, before that, people went to authority, and authority told them what to think. And it was only around like the 1400s, 1500s that that started to change. It's only then around the 1600s and 1700s that people had all of that access to really think about this stuff for the first time. They weren't just being given the information by this big authority figure who was a representative, a supposed representative of people's idea of God on earth. Um, and and I, I should probably start off by saying, you know, I, 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 I was brought up a Christian, um, and I left the church when I was probably about ten or eleven. I was I was the one who said in my family, uh, "I don't want to go to church anymore." And we had gone. <laughs> I'm sorry to use this term, bit of a pun, religiously. <laughs> um, and and my 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 whole family basically went mm, all right then, and they all stopped going. Every you know, it, it took an eleven year old to say, "I just don't want to do this anymore." For them to go. Mm, all right then and we all stopped going and what what I, I what i remember is that when i was young i couldn't understand why someone who was detestable like most of the priests that i had most of the father father simon father this father that um of course i went to christian schools as well even they lied to say we we're still in the church so i could get into the high school that was in saint tylo's and it was an awful place full of awful people teaching you awful things all of the time. Um, and, and there was no soul. They're teaching you about soul, and there's no soul. And, I, you know, th this idea that we have to go to an authority figure, we have to go to someone specific who's going to give us those answers, who usually doesn't have those answers for themselves and don't doesn't don't live in that world i think human human beings took a few hundred years of going through things like nietzsche and stuff um to come out this other side where they were like okay basically now we don't think there's a soul we don't think there's anything like that it's just humans it's just humans and so how do we control humans and they went back to stage a you know the, the beginning of it that that beginning where they go into an authority figure they were like well we have to create the us as the authority and we have to tell these people who have been uh looking for their soul for years and years looking for that 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 spiritual side of themselves we're going to have to go uh, and tell them what to do and convince them really that we have the answers that can fill them up spiritually but none of these people have answers that can fill them up spiritually because they have analytical answers. They have like answers that, that come from learned books written by other people who don't have spiritual spirituality in any type of way. Um, and so, so I, I read an interesting quote. It'll come up in a, an article that's going to be released, I think, in the next week on Unlimited Hangout. But it's a Bertrand Russell quote. Um, and uh, it, it was very interesting because it basically said that um, uh, we got to make sure that people know enough 
they're content. They don't want to question things because they feel content. Um, and they're just given enough, but they're not given enough information that they know how to question the things, you know? And we've really been brought up now into this world where because people have been desperate, and I, I mean, I think that's the reason why most of the people in the world who commit suicide and harm themselves, they're looking for that. They, You know, we, we know there's something else. We know there's something else. And I'm not being all, all oh, God, at the moment. I, we know there's something else. When when we, um, if we were to met someone who meditates, and I don't meditate necessarily that much, but I have... Um, certain spiritual experiences. I, you know, I'm a fan of psychedelics, but I'm not a fan of psychedelics. Uh, you know, I went past the, oh, look, everything's colorful and blurry stage. And I went into the kind of like, what, what, what questions do I want to ask myself when I'm looking at things for a different perspective? Um, and those are the things that are missing. You know, that's why I think a lot of the things like marijuana and stuff have remained illegal in a lot of places for a long time because they, they make you, and, and mushrooms and uh, LSD and DMT and all of these different things that can allow you a different perspective on your, your yourself, on who you are and what what that feeling is inside you. People are trying to make sense of it, but they're not given any information. And they're told a lot of the time that they're stupid um, for even like, you know, looking within spirituality, usually by people who claim to be religious. And so we're still stuck in this, this rut where the authority uh, is the one who gives us religion, gives us our spirituality, gives us our idea of what a soul is. And it's sparse, it's soulless. It's, it's without spirituality, so it's a conflict. And it, it comes down to this idea that, oh, you've got to know enough, just enough, you know, just enough to understand. You've got to be content, but you've got to not question. That is something that's not going to help us advance. And I think it's why we're going towards this idea of um, where, where you'll, you'll see it more and more over the next 10 years, AI is the thing. AI is the future. Um, transhumanism. We 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 are just goo bags. We're we're just meat sacks. We're all of these things. We're worthless. We can become even better if we uh, become like computers because we've become obsessed with like analyzing things in a computerized way <laughs> through through a, like a digital nowadays through a digital perspective. Um, or digital filter, uh, and it doesn't teach us anything about ourselves still. So people, uh, the more we do that, more people uh, kill themselves, and the more people want to kill themselves because they don't have that other thing that is necessary inside. I, when I was, when uh, probably about, I, I must have been about 18, 19, 20, I can't remember when it came out, but I remember reading a book which was an impossible book to get through, especially for, for, for I, I had to read the first three chapters, probably, I, I really mean this, about 20 times, and it was called Seat of the Soul, and it was by a guy called Gary Zuko, of and I, I you know I, I don't I don't necessarily um always agree with these things I don't read something and go oh yes I agree with everything that's written but it was it, it's like exploring the idea of what consciousness is and what the soul is and what it, it, you know someone else's perspective 
of it can help you understand. And I think there's like two things. There's this physical world that we have that we um, use our brains to make sense of, and we can make sense of it. Um, a shape that we see that is round is round. Um, this table is hard. These keys type words, uh, letters, etc. But when it comes down to when you connect with another human, when you, you make love, when you uh, post-coital and you're lying in bed and you you got your head next to each other and you feel this complete and a complete spiritual awakening and then that can go in two seconds we go back into the analytical world you know and 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 these things have to cross over we have to find the way that these link and we're not doing that in 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 fact i think the people who are most scared of it are the people who try and remain within the physical realm all of the time and that's not healthy it's not healthy for humans um it's it's not healthy for for our future as well because we're now heading towards somewhere where we no longer respect human beings as being this uh, conscious creature. Because if you look around at all the creatures, for God's sake, look at the creatures on earth. Dogs walk around being dogs. Cats walk around being cats. They don't have that consciousness, that, that same understanding. They don't have that. Uh, they don't realize and and the realization is what teaches us and what goes with it. And you're right. When when I'm doing work, a lot of the time I'm trying to connect with people through a physical realm, and then uh, you know you can hint at things. And I have that same experience. You know, I want to tell people you, you want to do this for these reasons and for these reasons, and you'll be happier if you do this. And people aren't interested at all because it's scary because it's new because they've been it's been withdrawn from our education it's been withdrawn from our society um we we we've we've forgotten how to be spiritual um and that is going to there's going to always lead to people dying you know cuz spirit, the spirit keeps us alive the the consciousness keeps us alive the soul keeps us alive caring loving all of those things aren't physical things how can you how can you create you know love is not something that you can bottle up and stick in something and sell on the shop you can only sell the idea of love and the idea of this the analytical the thought of it you know rather than the actual essence of it itself because the essence cannot be captured because we don't understand how to capture we don't understand what it is and yet all of these guys will give you answers they will give you definitive answers they will say this is sure we're sure about this and we're sure about that and then they go home and a hundred percent i'm sure about this the majority of the ones out there cry all of the time about how lonely they are how they can't connect with people or they have these spiritual, like they, they, they have spiritual feelings that don't necessarily, uh, they don't translate as the same. So um, Barbara Marx Hubbard, the, the weird transhumanist who um, uh, died a, a few years ago, um, really, really, uh, she, she was, appeared in an article recently on Unlimited Hangout. And in one of the, one of the the uh, conversations um, she's having with someone, it's like they're having like this spiritual um, uh, sort of conversation. But then what they see it as is something about, oh, it's because we're coming like gods, because we're approaching transhumanism. You know, they, they put their own filter on it. And if you believe someone else's filter, you will lose your own uh, perception 
of reality. You'll lose your own perception of what the soul is. So yeah, I, I'm 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 with you. I find it really hard, but it's because it's been taken away from us. It's been purposely. I mean, he, he, what I was saying about the auxiliary paper uh, last time in uh, 1967, written by Herman Kahn, it says the same thing that we cannot educate people to a high level. We've got to educate them to a base level so they don't question anything more. Because as soon as people question anything more, this revolution comes. You know, that's what the soul brings. That's what spirituality brings. That's what consciousness brings. It brings revolution because you realize you're being hoodwinked by people who are emotionless, soulless, without spirit. Um, so I don't know what, what religion to practice i don't know what what's right spiritually i i don't know but you if you do not touch on it if you do not try and find it within yourself you will be an unhappy person for the rest of your life and that's for sure uh well thank you i just want to hug you through the computer and i have so many things to say in response like three well four separate things so one uh that authority thing that you brought up i was actually uh part writing, part thinking about it in the past, well, week or two with special intensity because that is a history of, uh, well, treachery really, because like first, first point, the way say predators and parasites act, right? They want to put something in you so that you weaponize yourself against yourself. That's the resource saving for the predator because then you do the job of the killing or whatever, keeping you in check. And the idea that you don't have a direct relationship with the mystery, you know, God, whatever it is, the universe, people, again, people have lots of many words for that. If you convince somebody that they do not have that, they are self-castrating every moment of their life. And you can do whatever you want. And you can attach guilt to that. You can attach anything to that. And then you keep people in control much easier. And that's, well, physical poison, emotional poison, spiritual, psychological. I mean, it's kind of similar mechanism. And it's been done to the people on a massive scale for, well, a few thousands of years at least. And interestingly, uh, also, for example, in the United States, the uh, 1978 was the year when it, it became legal for Native Americans to practice their traditional practices. Until 1978, it was illegal. Why? Because it actually helps people be real. Ultimately, in the ultimate sense, if done right and, and all that, right? So, and having people who are connected to their spiritual power is the last thing that any tyrant wants. Because when people wake up, like you said, revolution happens. And not the kind of revolution that is like treacherous bloodshed, like replacing bad with the worse. The actual awakening and God knows what can happen next. It's like it's a mystery, but something probably much better than before. And they use it all the time. What they're using with experts, like listen to the experts. They're doing exact same thing where, no, don't trust your senses. Don't trust your instincts. Like the entire concept of being civilized. What does it mean? It means that you have emotions. You slap yourself. You tell yourself you're silly. You feel ashamed, maybe. And then you go with the program. What does it mean? That you're smart. Like, for example, when I was a kid, and I want to go into that a little bit. So kids want love. I mean, kids really depend on adults, like, desperately. Because, I mean, they don't know fancy words. They just, they know love. And they seek love. And then if adults have been previously broken, 
then adults don't give them proper love. Adults traumatize them while loving them to death. I mean, they just, they don't know what they're doing. It's not intentional, but they pass on the trauma. And then the kids try to please adults by any means, right? So just so that they feel loved. And then what does it mean? To be smart. The way probably most of us were raised, being smart as a kid, meaning that you're really good at reciting back what they're telling you, that you're really good at reproducing whatever formulas, whatever talking points they gave you, and that eventually turns off your instincts, your feelings, your proper thinking, and you're miserable as hell, and you have no idea why. And they're telling you you're miserable because you're not good enough at reciting the talking points. And the people who are giving advice have no clue. And like in my own life, for example, I was born in a scientific, in the world of scientific atheism. Like that was the religion of the Soviet Union during my early childhood, right? Like scientific atheism. When I was in first grade, a chemistry teacher came in, she lit a little thing in the liquid, like a little flame. And she said, see kids, I did that. Therefore there's no God. And for some reason, I mean, like, that's kind of the proof, right? And then everybody laughed. There was this phrase, can God create something so heavy he cannot lift it? And like, ha-ha, we proved there's no God. So, and on my end, like, I've always, like, I was born with that thing where I absolutely needed to understand how, how it all works. Like, to the extent it's possible. But I was born with this fire where, I, like, th that's the most important thing for me, right? I mean, like, to this day, in many ways. But... So then when I was still very little, my mom, it was forbidden. My, my mom decided to baptize me for my, you know, f f with very good feelings. It was completely banned. It was completely underground. She was very courageous to do that. And then the priest totally messed me up because, so he, like, I was a, like, that was, I was a preschooler, right? So, and then the priest came up with this brilliant idea that, okay, kid, we're born dirty, and you have to pray to God to apologize for being sinful, for being born in sin. And if you're a small kid, you essentially, if a figure of authority tells you something, that's how it is, right? And I remember the shift in myself, how I started praying in an apologetic manner all the time because I didn't want to be punished. I didn't want to go to hell. And as a kid, you really associate it, right? With, so God wants to punish you. Your parents want, want to punish you. I think we all form our original religion, like childhood religion from relationship with the family, right? And it took me many years to figure it out. But I wanted to understand, right? At some point, I even wanted to go join a convent because like, I mean, that's what the culture, and by that time, the Soviet Union long fell apart and everybody became a conservative Christian. Well, a lot of people who were conservative, kind of really not very happy scientific atheists, they because people want something, people are hungry. They came over and they became, well, they're different religions, obviously, the Soviet Union, but Christianity, Orthodox Christianity is the official one. So a lot of people crossed over to the what was given to them. To, the dark side. And, and <laughs> then, then it became like skirt length monitoring, like same things that were previously given uh, as a communist value, more like moral communist moral immediately became Christian, like Orthodox morals, like nothing really changed except the intensity, because if you justify things with like God said so, then it's a, the highest authority. And I was really, I just remember how painful it was to me because I am like a happy person. I mean, that, that's just, you know, how I was born, luckily, right? And, but I also 
want to do good. I want to do right by, by, by the spirit. So that was the constant conflict where my happiness was like, what do you, what are you doing being happy? Like, like that, that is wrong. You're hurting our feelings by, I mean, maybe not directly, but that's what was happening. And then I decided to explore Buddhism because that was just not like that constant guilt was just like, it wasn't doing it for me. So I explored Buddhism. I ended up and I was very passionate about it too. And then of course, everybody was telling me I will go to hell because obviously only Orthodox Christians go to, go to, go to heaven. Everybody else goes to hell. And there was this thing like, it is absolutely sure. It is absolutely certain that Orthodox Christians go to heaven. Everybody else goes to hell. Maybe other Christians, I mean, gray area, not so sure. Maybe yes, maybe no. Everybody else certainly goes to hell. And, and I was dealing with that. I mean, and I was kind of like ignoring it as, as, a, as a teenager. You're like, adult is stupid, whatever. Or, but, but, but still, it wears on you. And then I remember how the dream that has directly, is directly related to the great reset. Funny, like when I was a teenager. So in my dream, somebody said, like, for sure, the end of the world is going to happen. Suddenly. And I'm like, oh, oh, shit. Like, what if they're right? What if they're right and I'm about to find out and I'm going to go to hell and all this like free spirit, music, blah, like all that, like it's going to bite me. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to find out and I'm nervous. And then there's a voice from the sky saying, okay, end of the world, you know, whatever. And then from the horizon, a giant Pepsi Cola logo comes up and rises <laughs> like a sun. And, and I just started laughing and I woke up from laughter. And given what Pfizer did in the sky with, the, you know, that thing, it kind of reminded me. So it wasn't a way pathetic. But then eventually, uh, I mean, I was still pursuing because that's the most important thing, right? And I went to Tibet and I did this and that. And Buddhism didn't quite do it for me either. And eventually, uh, I was lucky enough to become familiar with various indigenous cultures. And it clicked. I mean, it made so much sense. And... It is obviously, again, nothing is a, 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 a thing that is dogmatic. I mean, that is just not, not how, it's, how, how it is done, how it is. But for the first time in my life, things started making sense where it's like, of course it is this way. And, and I was looking back at all the suffering that was created by lying people to tr trust the authority figures. And... I am sure it is extremely complicated. Like, for example, right now, people who are using different religious faiths to resist the Great Reset, and they're finding their spiritual strength. And I have complete respect for that, complete respect and admiration. And I think, like, my theory is that because the spirit is in us and we are connected to the high authority, I mean, we're connected. It's just how it is. Even if we are in denial. We can not pay attention to that, but we're connected. So whatever system is given to us, we find ways if we're inclined. You can probably give a human being a cookbook and they will find if they have it inside them. And most of us do or find, find the way, like give the words meanings. And I suspect that whenever it comes to religious terms or theological terms, cosmological terms, what it means to each of us, entire range of things. Probably we use the same words. We mean entirely different things. And I, I did a little video about that. I was feeling very nervous. I didn't even send it out because it was like, you know, I was nervous. And then somebody said, well, you misinterpreted. You didn't understand the idea of original sin. And I was thinking, well, I mean, like, it is entirely possible that everybody 
has their own meaning, their own emotional pointer to what it really means. And I have no idea what other people, like what other people feel about it. I only know my own journey about it. And for me, it like I figured it out with, in a, in a way that works for me, that makes me feel at peace and happy. And so that I don't necessarily, I'm like, I'm curious about different opinions and I have complete full respect for everybody because, you know, we're spirit and it doesn't matter what words we use as long as we have it inside and act decent to, to others and it makes sense. But there's really no point arguing about words. I mean, like, and that's why it is so unglamorous. Like this whole spiritual thing, the word spiritual has been hijacked so badly. I mean, I use it kind of in its direct sense and I try to do it humbly, humbly and lovingly, but the word has been just like hijacked. Everybody says it without even, and, and here's the thing, another thing about listening to well, experts, right? In order to give good advice, one has to have two things. First, have some idea what they're talking about, hopefully good idea. And two, they have to have respect for the other person's free will. One is missing and it's broken. Even if somebody has authentic knowledge about something, doesn't matter, physical, spiritual, if their knowledge is kind of reflect reality, so it's like accurate to mostly, right? If it, it is done in the uh, mode of conversion, like missionary activity, bad. It's like, it's just, like it doesn't work. First of all, you cannot save somebody from themselves. I mean, you can put energy into them, you can pray for them, you can put love into them, you can like, just really focus on it and be stubborn about it, like in a good way, be like, keep at it. But you can't force anybody to understand anything. I mean, like, and it's not the right mode anyway. And then if in addition to that, somebody's advice is bad, like it is the case with transhumanism and God, uh, God AI, that God sent AI, that true, uh, I mean, that's bad, bad, like bad on both levels. So it is a big mystery. And to me, this whole great reset is life's very, very bitter opportunity for us to come around and find that mysterious thing. And I think that is when the things are going to change. Because if we don't, if we just think, okay, this is, this like transhumanism bad, but we can convert people into like our religion that is not transhumanism and that's righteous, then we're going to have great resets from here, you know, until the cows come home. Like it's just because that's the same mechanism. Mm -hmm. And so what has to come out of it is like awe and joy and humility in a happy way. Like, oh my God, we have no idea what's going on. We have no idea. We're here between the earth and the sky. It's mysterious. There are higher forces. They're helping us. There's love. Everything is about love. And then the rest of what we do, our gifts, our like, medicine, journalism, everything, it comes on top of that, and then I think things are going to be beautiful. So that was my long talk. Right. So there's so much, so much, because I, I, I mean, I'm going to get really, really deep and sometimes freaky here, and I apologize in advance if it's too much for some people, because some of this is going to be sad, really sad. Um, I, I, I felt really guilty uh, I left the church when I was 11. I felt really guilty till I was about 23, 24 about the fact that God was watching over me and was looking down on me and thinking, what 
I am going to punish you so bad. You know, I, I still felt he was, it, it was something that was given to me by adults. It was something that as a child was given to me by adults. Now, something we've got here that's so much different than before is we've got much more ability for humans, human adults, to communicate with each other. And that's needed because we need to get over the trauma of our childhood before we express it onto the children. And my experience of that has been brutal in many different ways. Um, my, my, my father got hit a lot when he was younger. And my dad was a very naughty boy. He grew up in pubs in one of the worst areas of Cardiff, uh, a place called Ely. And Ely, he grew up in a, um, a, a pub called the Dusty Forge. And the Dusty Forge, you literally had to steal the furniture back every night. Uh, they, they would be sitting on bread crates at the end of the night because people would steal the furniture. And they knew who'd steal it every time. They'd have to go and, and steal it back. If you got, got into trouble there, they'd take you up to the big metal stairs on the second floor and they'd throw you down the stairs um, as, as a punishment for, for getting kicked out of the pub. If you get kicked out, you get kicked out properly. You get kicked down metal staircase. Um, <laughs> there's one story of my, my granddad fitted a tropical fish tank in the pub and uh, uh, it was like the first tropical fish tank in any pub in Cardiff it was like he was so proud about it all you know and uh, slowly people put whiskey in the fish tank and all the fish turned into being alcoholics and they changed the water and all the fish died because <laughs> they were all they were all hooked onto the alcohol it was a really bad pub and my dad got a lot of, uh, obviously got a lot of violence throughout his life. He was a really naughty soul anyway, you know. He was all over the place. And then he projected that down uh, when he grew up. So when he had kids, he hadn't resolved any of those issues. He hadn't really taken on. He would go to church like it was a thing where you had to do it to be part of society and to be proper you know um but what was interesting is that he became violent um when we were young i had two older sisters and what was interesting for me um to look back on now not interesting for me at the time because it was uh, extremely painful years my childhood in general um it w there was a lot of love in my house don't get me wrong but my my dad would hit me he would hit my sisters. And I think that was him saying, oh, I got beaten when I was a kid. And somewhere in there saying, I don't want to beat the boy so much. You know, I still got hit on occasions, but mainly my older sisters beat me up because they were being beaten up all the time, you know? So my sisters got the cane. Uh, my dad had, a, my, my granddad, uh, Louis Vedmore, had served in the war, I believe, and my uh, and my granddad uh, Reginald Vadmore, he had served in the war as well. He had um, been sick and hadn't been sent to a place where everybody died, and instead he got sent over to uh, uh, somewhere like Burma or somewhere like that, and played football without any uh, <laughs> throughout the war without any like real issues or entering into warfare. But they had all been taught the same thing: you discipline your child. You discipline your child with a rod, you know? Um, and I think he projected that on. He projected that on to uh, be like, I want to change that. But instead of understanding why it happened and not hitting my kids, he would hit my sisters instead. So that, that was like, that was the target over there. And 
when I was uh, nine, I, I, I tweeted uh, something out about this today, in actual fact. Um, I was groomed by a pedophile. And it was an awful uh, uh, time because, I, you know, when you get groomed by a pedophile, you feel so scared about telling your parents. You feel like you're doing something wrong. You feel like uh, you, you, you're the, the one who's got the issue and you were targeted for a reason. It's your fault, you know, and you feel all of these things. And this guy would come round. He befriended my father and he would be, come round the house all the time. We were in a thing called the sealed knot. It was a complicated, like, 17th century reenactment society. So people would dress up like the English Civil War, uh, 8,000 people on a battlefield, cannons going on off muskets pikes people dressed in armor you know really really crazy type of thing and within that this guy who was called paul avanci i can say his name out loud he later later said paul reese because i ended up um giving evidence uh, and he ended up being convicted for this so uh, that was in about 1991 1992 he got convicted and um i remember uh, authentic cottage. So it was like a, a cottage like had been in the 17th century uh, in a place called Cosmeston uh, Lakes near Cardiff. And everybody had left. It was a Sunday. Everybody had left and we were sitting around this um, fire and it actually had actually been breathed in fire through a straw. There was bits of straw and hay around. And I gone like that. And some fire had gone down my throat and burnt my throat but I was too scared to tell anybody that I was in pain or anything so I just sat there and I didn't do anything and I just continued to play with the fire and hoping that the pain would go away and so slowly everybody left and suddenly I found myself alone in this room with this guy and this was the first time he said anything to me and he told me about how he had been um he told me his uh it, I'm, I'm I'm a nine-year-old you know and he told me about how he was groomed during the war in Poland. He told me how he was molested by a butcher in Poland. And he gave me all of the details about it. Oh. Um, and I know, I told you this is going to get dark. Um, and I sat there terrified because I knew what he wanted. I knew what he wanted. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, a, a, I was a very naughty child to an extent. Um, I used to watch all of the horror movies and stuff. In actual fact, my parents wouldn't hide most of that stuff from me. Uh, when we first got a video player, I was about uh, six years old. And, um, and the first two videos we got out was Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and uh, Critters. So it was like, you know, I, I saw horror movies. I saw loads of things. I saw sexy stuff in movies. I knew what was going on when he was saying this stuff to me and I knew it wasn't normal um, but I was stuck in this cottage dark really dark no windows you know um, a, a low fire, fire lit and he's he's explaining to me about what happened when he was a child you know he was projecting his own childhood trauma and he was projecting it onto a child because that's nearly everybody who have, has experienced childhood trauma project it onto children, aim to project it onto children because it's like um, uh, for them a soothing mechanism, I think, to, to get over that psychological pain or the hurt that they feel inside. And I'm not saying that it was, it was, it was you know, a, a good way to do it, of course. He was sick and horrible. 
a sick and horrible man. And um, he he basically said to me that any time that I wanted to do all of these things he had described that had been done to him, all he had to do, all I had to do was ask him. And then over the next two years, he snuck into my life, into my house. Um, he got closer and closer with my father. And he constantly would wait for us to be alone. And then he would start talking about it again as soon as we were alone. And every time I knew he was coming around, I felt not only my own trauma that I was experiencing, I felt his trauma from when he was younger too. I felt that he didn't have any type of soul left, that it had been taken from him when he was young, that, that he didn't have any type of spirituality. He didn't care about anything. He wanted to um, take pain out on me, and I could feel that very much so. It ended up, that ended up with uh, me, him coming around the house one time. He bought me some sort of present. And he came around and he bought a present. I was sitting in the what the, was the front room of the house. We had two like living room type things, you know, semi-detached house in South Wales. Most of them a terraced house, but we lived in a little semi-detached, which was a tiny bit bigger. Um, and I was sitting in the front room alone and my mum come in and I just burst out into tears. I was 11 years old, like I at 10, 11 I didn't understand how to explain this to anybody. I had been living with it for two years. He had been grooming me for all of that time. And I just felt devastated, you know, and I told my mum, mum, please ask him to leave the house, get him out of the house. And she said, why? And I told her, I, I told her what he was saying to me and the stuff. And so she made the excuses and he left. And um, during that time, it turned out he had molested a three-year-old. Oh my God! I know, and that's uh, like I say. I'm so sorry about this. That stayed with me then for the rest of my life. You know, even now, I feel extreme guilt, and I know it's not right or or, or fair or any of those things. Um, it's not correct, but I feel extreme guilt about a three year old who I, always remains free in my mind. You know, he always remains as a three year old, um, and and that was a grown man projecting his um his childhood trauma onto a child now the difference we have now the difference here and i went to court i gave evidence uh in a in a one of those rooms with my sister sitting one of my sisters sitting next to me in a room with mirrored windows you know mirrored windows with cameras on the other side and stuff and cameras up on the corner and they gave my evidence and he got convicted and then um he came back to the sealed knot and my parents complained and they said, no, he didn't break any of the rules. There was no rule within the sealed knots guidebook saying that you're not allowed to molest children. So he didn't break any of the rules. So they weren't going to kick him out. Now I reckon that's because the people at the top had also had that sort of trauma. The people who rise to the top are the people who don't have like spirituality. They have trauma through their life. Uh, a lot of them, I think, feel happy when a child is traumatized. And the difference we have now is that we as adults are able to communicate with each other more often. And we need to communicate with each other more often because we need to solve the trauma we experience in childhood with adults, not with children, you know? And I think that is a lot of what happens. Religion, 
religious people who don't really know what they're doing have been brought up by religious people who don't really know what they're doing. All these people have a pain. They pass on to children through generations and generations. They tell you, this is the way it is. This is what I was taught when I was a child. And if you don't believe it, I'll beat you. I'll hit you. I'll make you feel bad or I'll make you feel evil inside. I'll make you feel like it's your fault because that's how they got treated. You know, it's a cycle. The cycle is all about adult humans not being able to reconcile what happened to them when they were children because the cycle keeps continuing over and over again and they continue to aim and take it out on children. So they continue to, uh, they'll grow up to be a teacher and they'll treat the children how their teachers treated them because that's what those children deserve. You know, that's what those children need. Yet it messed those people up and they can't, they don't have any type of understanding of how they're fractured, how it's happened. Instead, it's like an automatic thing. And the reason why I think it's going to change now is because uh, people are able to, because people are able to talk more openly, people are able to talk like us on here, people are able to hear other people speaking about this sort of trauma and are able to connect with that through their own experience, and then they won't need to take it out on younger people. And those younger people can be brought up to explore their own spirituality without that sort of hatred, to explore themselves and who they are without uh, having stuff put on them. Now, when you see what's happened in the past few years, what you see is loads of people aiming at kids, they may they may say, oh, vaccines and stuff like this, uh, they're for adults. But soon, soon they changed. Soon it was, and then it's going to be 15-year-olds, and then it'll be 13-year-olds. And nearly straight away, they were testing these things out on kids. Because they just approve babies. They are just, yeah, they are just doing what was done to them. It's like it, that comes from... Um, like I say, analytical mind, that I can't make sense of this because I have no tools in my toolbox, in my mental toolbox, to be able to handle all of the trauma I received. So I'm just going to keep giving that trauma on. And until we stop that cycle, until we stop children being the target of anything, you know, of being the, the brunt of what happens, because what affects us, we can think about it. So we can say, no, I'm not going to take a vaccine. Kids can't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm living in Chile. You know, it's really, it's really quite depressing over here because everybody's still wearing masks, nearly everybody. Walking down the street alone, they got their children in masks. These children, they're growing up thinking that this is normal. They, they, some of these kids are going to wear masks for the paper masks, masks that don't protect them from anything at all, but actually damage them because they're unable to get little bits of illness and build up an immune system, which is the whole point of being in the society. For that's what keeps us alive. We 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 mix our our, our salivas and we mix our <laughs> our dirt and we mix ourselves with each other, and it builds up our own immune systems. And the more you hang around with people, the stronger your immune system is probably going to be on average, you know? We're taking that away from them. These kids are going to end up with that trauma. 
that trauma that's been given to them. And then they will traumatize other kids when they grow up. Because why not? They were traumatized all throughout their life. Why should they not pass that down? Because that is right. That is normal. That is what they see as normal. So I, I see a lot of this. I, I, I mean, I have like loads of weird personal experiences from being a kid where I, 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 I just, it, I couldn't get over them easily as an adult. I, I hit into my 20s and I felt completely, well, by the time I was 21, 22, I basically hid away from the world and I didn't want to see anybody i didn't want to have kids i didn't want to do any of that stuff because i didn't want to have to put that pain onto someone else and i knew that if i had kids when i was 20 21 like how it would be in the past you know um or still is in a sense today if i was to have kids in my early 20s i knew i could feel it i was going to pass on that trauma I was going to, in some way, I might not have beat my kids. I certainly wouldn't have groomed my kids, but I would have passed on that trauma. I would have been angry. I would have been, uh, you know, unable, spiritually unable to handle a giving uh, another human being a chance uh, to grow up without that trauma. And it's only once we've tackled that, it's only once we've got over our own trauma, should we even be able to write the rules for children. You know, but we don't even see that. We don't even think about that. We don't consider how we are just part of a cycle because this is new. It's always, this is a new generation. This is a new bunch of people. We, we're not going to make the same mistakes as the past because we know better, yet we don't do better. We do exactly the same. I, I, you know, it's, it's really frustrating for me to see that cycle because it's so obvious. Um, it was obvious for my, for, for my, own, my own family. Um, it, it's obvious for um, some members of my, my family now who I, I still think are, are probably hidden away in, and, and friends who are hidden away and not looking at, at what, what has happened in the past. So are they able to, to, to get over that trauma and we'll pass it on in different ways. And I think the majority of what we talk about and the majority of the pain we feel comes from that fact that we're not given a chance as a child to understand ourselves because adults around us are always trying to express their own experience of trauma onto us. So I had the same with, with teachers as well and with priests and all of those different things. I had the, they, they made me feel bad about everything and mixed with everything else on top. Well done. I felt bad. I hope they feel really good with themselves because they failed miserably. They were bad, bad, bad. You know, there is, I am an adult now, I'm 42 now, and I can tell you, I've had um, a, a son recently, and I love him more than anything else in the world, and I will never raise my hand. I will never, I don't even see what the point of doing that is. We have a, 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 four, a little four-year-old girl, the most wonderful girl. She's the most amazing little lady, uh, completely and utterly, you know, free from that trauma, because we proactively don't pass down the trauma. And when she's crazy and 
angry or when she's being a four-year-old and doing all of this. I don't give her rules. We try and we try and, and and work it out so she understands rather than she's forced to understand, you know? So we 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 distract, but we also we also give her tools that she can progress. We try and make it so that she's not gonna lie or she's not gonna say bad things that she looks after and she thinks kindly. And you know what? The result is amazing. You see a real kind human slowly being born. And that's only because, um, you know, you have to understand your own trauma and you have to have been in touch with your own uh, soul, your own spirituality at some point before you pass that on. Because the danger of passing that on is, is, it's all around us. I think it's one of the main problems. I think nearly every single person out there who who's treating people badly, who's entering into this world where they don't want to think of anything, they just want to get onto the next stage of of reality. We can make this better. We're going to become transhumanists. We're going to start in, implanting things in people because we need to because we're we're failing. No, you were failed. You were failed. That you know they have to accept they were failed. That they did not have happy childhoods but they're not doing any better for the generation below now, and especially not over the past few years. So like I say, that, that's, it was never going to be <laughs> an easy point there. Um, but I, I, I think that w- what it is, is that cycle, it's, life is full of cycles. You know, I started to believe where you, you, you may have gone towards um, Buddhism and things. I, I really did, uh, I, I think it was probably... Uh, when I was about 34, so not that long ago, 35, where I said, okay, karma takes over. I, I am not, I am, I am going to go around being kind and being good. I am not going to be greedy. I'm not going to ask for more than, than I deserve in life. I have been skint, you, we call it, without money. You know, I, I, I've, I've never really made that much money um, I've never, I've not craved it. I don't want it. Um, instead, what I do is believe that if I'm good and kind, ev- I will live a happy life and kindness and goodness will come back to me. Now, that's my religion. My my spirituality is just about trying my best not to give that trauma over to the next generation because it's so easy to do. Um, and I've seen it so many times. I see the people who I grew up with having kids and the problems they had have not been solved and their kids are on their way to having those same problems. So, yeah. Well, I mean, look, first of all, well, thank you because of what you said, I'm sure it's not easy. And, and all the hugs for the computer. You're a beautiful <laughs> human being. And I, well, I, 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 it would, I would not have been able about a few years ago. I would not have been able to talk about that experience without bursting out into tears and and completely stopping. Um, I, I mean, something like that does not leave you ever. And for me, that was that was just, and this is how I see it. That was just grooming. You know, there was a kid who got much worse. And and that was the pain that stayed with me is that someone else got much worse. But, um, you know, people don't realize how much something can affect someone throughout their entire life. 
And we got to realize we're humans. We got spiritual needs. We got souls of some sort. We don't know what, how it works, but if you fracture them, you break somebody sometimes for life because a lot of the best people I've known in the world have not been able to continue on living. They've had to end it in some way um, because they can't handle that trauma. No, I'm almost crying myself here because there's so much. I mean, like so much. We carry so much crap. And I went through the process where, and again, it's not like a one-time, five-minute. I mean, like I went through the process where I had to suddenly just accept that it was not my fault, whatever was done was not my fault. And even people who were doing that, uh, you know, in my case, different experience, well, other crappy experience later, but when I was a child, the experience were mostly just from confusion and, and that they were broken too. And that were a part of it. And it's a cycle. And that like what I had to go through, I, I had to really reconcile it with my ancestors including the ones who did things that like are not good. And I had to talk to them and complain and cry now that they passed away. I mean, like they can hear me. I had to like, I had to tell them, tell them and demand reconciliation and like, respectfully, but demand it because whatever that, that was done to me or to my, you know, to my parents or beyond, beyond that was done from confusion, from, you know, being wrong, from being confused, from being fucked up, meaning, well, not care, whatever it was, that was not deserved by a child, ever. That was never deserved by a child. And I had to go through that and cry and cry and just scream and and seek that reconciliation. And I think that's something that is, you know, to the mind, it looks like a silly, like, you know, what, what are you doing? But, but, but that is, I think, one of the things that can actually get us out of it. Because we all carry in different ways. And some people live their lives into like all the age without never even allowing to, themselves to admit to a lot, A lot of people don't even think they have trauma. A lot of people think that um, the trauma they have was so normal that they don't see it as trauma, yet it still comes out, uh, it still expresses within their life in different ways. And they don't understand why these things are expressing because they don't connect it with the original thing that happened, usually because they say they know other people who have had much worse experiences. Um, I mean, when my experience was was bad, I, I know that my mum had really bad experiences when she was young, um, and and that she's uh, from a generation that is unable to talk or tackle these sort of things. A lot of people from the older generation have no tools to tackle. This is where we are different. Um, Maybe, uh, like, the idea of transhumanism, if you take out the robotics, the shared nervous system of social media, as Barbara Marks had, but she, she said, uh, like, our nervous system is like Facebook. <laughs> oh, my God, that would be a terrible nervous system to have. Um, you know, if you take away all of that, transhumanism could be some class to something different where we um, stop doing the stupid things that humans, stupid mistakes that humans are obviously making over and over again. And we don't need to need to implant stuff in us. We don't need to inject stuff in us. We just become different. We just act differently. And we just stop, you know, expelling that trauma onto other people. Well, that's, that's a good, that's, that's a good point. But I think that, well, intellectually, it's unresolvable. It's only resolvable if we 
allow ourselves to actually remember who we are and face the, the, the horrible things that might have happened to everybody but i think to everybody like the very 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 few lucky people there when you see a kid whose parents are not broken or at least you know handling it in a way that then it's not touching the kid you can see like this light this unscared kid it is so rare and you know very young very young kids often but then as time goes by you can just see that light being dimmed. I mean, breaking my heart. I mean, like breaking my heart. It's it's yeah. so it's it's not right. But but I think like I had to go through so many things again. And then another thing that I had to go through is like my my mom who who was staying with me uh, like all through the pandemic pandemic. And we were crammed in a studio apartment in New York. And. Uh, that was so difficult, but it made me, it forced me to face all sorts of issues that were unresolved when I was a child and that like, it was so incredibly necessary. And it was difficult. It made me a much stronger person, much, it, it gave me so many things, incredibly difficult. Like, but, but without that, I would not be, I would not be who we I am. We need to go on that. We need to go on that journey with other adults, with adults who who have, have been responsible for that trauma a lot of the times, um, or or been part of that trauma. Um, have been have been Ned who could have stopped that trauma. You know, a lot of the time we just have to say, please, we need to talk about this because otherwise that does it goes downwards. It goes, and a lot of people don't realize. You know, as human beings, we've all been children. We all share that. We all had that light, and it all got. A lot of the time, it dimmed and dimmed and dimmed. It, uh, compared to kids, our light always dims, you know, <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. Um, it, it, people just don't understand as well that their whole body has reformed in that time. You know, every single cell has been remade. Every single bone has slowly disappeared and been remade over time, slowly. And we're not the same. We have the memories. We have the trauma still. And we keep that with us. But we're so much, we, we, we are basically different creatures by the time we get older. Um, and, and yeah, we, we've got to share that amongst adults. We got to share that amongst adults. We got, I mean, most of what, what we've got, the problems we got today, we've got to tackle as adults for the kids and when people say oh we got to do it for the children a lot of the time that's like a really vacuous sentence that's just said like flippantly and no one really thinks about it that much oh yes, we got to do it for the children but it, it is a, a really true we've got to protect the children from having to go through that we got to educate them with everything we got to let them know we got to let them understand what the world looks like warts and all um and who who are those people and why people do those sort of things and to, so they're able to recognize it because kids who are, uh, have honesty um and and a lot of information given to them uh very early on uh are often grow up to be very very focused adults who understand who they are and are able to enjoy life and what happens then is that they enter into the world and they believe they oh well the rest of the world is is made up and is fair and it's not because it's been made by people with loads of trauma 
And so when we grow up, we've got to then, even if you grow up with a good mind, you've got to keep fighting to stop all of these traumatized adults <laughs> to, uh, doing all of this crazy stuff because they can't think of people. They can't think of other people. They're too busy thinking about themselves. They're too busy thinking about how to get rid of that feeling of pain inside them. I think, well, you described things that are both individual and also uh, national level, or cultural level, civilizational level, because I think a part of it, what happened when people in older cultures that all in all had significantly more balance. And I'm not going to say more because, you know, there's no good words. But when, for example, yeah, for example, and people are never perfect. People are still, you know, we have good and bad and like all sorts of tendencies in us at all. That's, that, that's what makes us people, right? But, but when I think what happened, and that is my theory, is when people, especially in situations of invasion, when people still in older cultures, which at some point was everybody on earth, right? But so still in older cultures face the people who have lost it. There was no way to imagine for a person in an older culture, what kind of craziness it may be. Because for example, if somebody tells you, I want to tell you about my God, like a normal person would think, okay, they're going to tell me their creation story and how it is for them. And it's very interesting. I'm very curious. I, you know, like I respect, I respect their thing. And then nobody would think that, oh, now they're going to tell me to denounce everything. And I mean, like, there's just such an absurd idea to somebody who is unscared. And I think a part of it is that, like, what we're coming to today, I think, is that, okay, we already know that this is the dynamic and so right now, we, I think we, we, we eventually might end up like people in the older culture, but with that knowledge, mm -hmm. which is like a different, a different development of the it's harmonious really, thing. It's really interesting. Uh, tomorrow is, in Chile is Mapuche Day. It's the uh -huh. first time Mapuche Day is being celebrated in Chile. Um, and one thing I, 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 it's made me think about and it's made me kind of realize is how lost modern civilization is compared to those older cultures that had that ability. They often lived in smaller communities. So if people did bad stuff, the, the elders and the other people around would know that that bad stuff was happening and would say no to the bad stuff because it's like they were all watching each other to an extent. Um, but there's such a... Uh, I, I, it's, I suppose it's an envy. People have like this envy of these older cultures that seem to be, I mean, it, it's really easy to see them, see especially cultures that don't exist in the same way they used to as being almost perfect in some way. But I, I think people are, are, are really envious of the thing that we're missing nowadays that, they, that we know they had in the past. I think a part of it, I even have, I mean, I most likely, at least to some degree, all the invasions that happened were in a way people collectively seeking the forgetting, forgotten thing, but because they were so traumatized, sincerely, sincerely, they were broken. And in many ways, it wasn't their fault either. But because broken people tend to see havoc, I mean, that's just 
even if they do, want to do something else. They, they were broken level. people who and were on the crest of a wave of a culture that usually did not let them ever come out of trauma. You know, I mean, I mean, if, if you look at the Spanish invasion of, of South America and, oh, and yeah. Latin America, it's, it's just, that's a load of traumatized people who have had traumatized life going and giving their trauma to loads of other cultures who didn't have that trauma at all. And then from that point on, everybody had trauma. Exactly. And on some level, like, for example, in my own, like in, well, there was no Russia by that, uh, at the time, there was this Slavic, Slavic uh, unit that was pre-Russia, pre-Ukraine, right? And then the local leader forced it on the people for political reasons. And I'm thinking, what is the difference between that and the Great Reset? It seems like that's a plot that repeats all over. And again, I, this is not a comment on like the faith of Christianity, because I, I, I think that if his like, actual Jesus Christ, if he saw what people had done in his name, he would cry because that's a complete, complete discrepancy. So I'm not commenting on that. People who have their sacred belief, full respect, full love, absolutely. But as far as the talking points, the institutional stuff, I mean, the leader, that uh, was 10 centuries ago, they were choosing between uh, Islam, Judaism, and two types of Christianity. For political aesthetic reasons, they chose Eastern Christianity. Like clearly, because they were considering other things, they did not think that Orthodox Christianity is the only path from here to heaven. Because if they did, they would not even consider other things. So, but then it was about being civilized. It was about essentially establishing and maintaining higher level political relations with other leaders. So what is the difference with the global, young global leaders, Great Reset and all that? So they're in a club, they want to elevate themselves. They want to, they, I mean, and even, I don't know, like even the situation in, in, in Ukraine right now. So like, it seems like a classic thing where some local leaders think that they're going to be elevated more by collaborating with this empire. Other local leaders think they're going to be elevated more by collaborating with another empire. And then, I mean, like, war is horrible. I mean, war is horrible, war is horrible, no matter what. But, like, that dynamic keeps playing again and again and again. And it's all, like, human stuff. Like, they all come up with talking points and, you know, we're pro this, we're pro that. But really, it's about human being trying to elevate himself. Mm -hmm. and, and lots of people pay the price. And mm -hmm. with wars, like, for example, and this is something that a few years ago, I would never think, if I would even think about. So I grew up in Moscow, right? So it's all movies about World War II. My grandfather went through the war all the way. Hero, like, admire him. My, my, my grandmother was a nurse. Every grandparent of every child, every friend of mine in the entire country went through the war. Tremendous difficulty. 20 million people died or more. That was the initial low figure, 20 million people. Horrible. So I grew up in, like, German language was making me, you know, jump a little. And it wasn't a dislike of German people. Well, I didn't know any German people as a kid, but it was kind of like just this thing. The only two phrases I knew was like, I kill you and hands up in German. And mm -hmm. so I grew up as a kid, as a, as a young kid, like preschooler thinking, what would happen if fascists came and they started torturing me? Would I 
be strong enough to not betray my parents. Like all that, it was a, like it wasn't like one straight thought. It was all the time because it was all the books about children tortured by the Nazi. Probably not very healthy either. But you you know that anyway. That's what, that was my childhood, and then you know time went 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 went, and then I had a Facebook friend with German, uh, German in Germany, and she was telling me about her family how. Her family despised Hitler, but her grandfather knew that if he didn't go to war, then his family might be killed or punished. So he went to war and he didn't like any of it, but he went to war. So he was fighting on the other side from my ancestors. And yet I understood that point of view. And that was just to me like, oh my God, there's so much abuse done to people at every end. And the only thing that's going to end it is for us to unfriend our abuse, to unfriend our trauma and do like the fuck whatever it takes to stay and to keep it unfriended. And that might be a life, lifetime journey. And nonetheless, that's the only way that's going to, it's going to work. And I think one of the reasons Great Reset is so fucking horrible and so abusive is that human beings tend to not address the important stuff until they are like completely screwed in the corner. And I think if we wake up to that now, it would be very good. Because I, if I, we don't, we'll be forced to do that. But then, much better now. I think there's 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 a definite two things. Number one is that um that, that come come my mind from all of that is that um Germany very much is a land. I, I had the same experience as you. I mean, you, you you watch war movies all the time. Ah, the Germans, they're the ones who are doing all of this, uh, Zikal, Zikal, et cetera. And, and they, they, they're the nasty ones. It's all the Germans, Germany, Germany. The land of Germany is not uh, an evil land. It's just land um, on there. Uh, lived a load of people who for a fair few years had uh, such a large amount of propaganda um pumped into their mind they believed a lot of them a lot not all of them a lot of them believed hitler was a really good thing for their country um he was doing really good thing they weren't told the bad stuff and by the time they had um they had worked it out it was too late they were like a year into the war you know before before the war it wouldn't have made any difference to them how would they have known that something was bad okay there's euthanization going on there's all of these uh, euthanasia going on there's all, all, all of uh these sort of terrible things happening but most of it you're not going to see people are, are told as well wear a mask nowadays they were told then that putting down a disabled baby is a good thing because that baby doesn't have to live with a disability. Rationally, you can make that leap. You know, you can make that leap. If you believe and you're told that it's true, then you can make that leap. And once they wor worked it out, it was too late. They were all stuck in uh, jackboots and, and, and helmets and put with a gun and put forward. And their, their experience had been uh, just 20 years before or so, or, or, or 25 years before, um, their family, their, members of their family had experienced the, the Great War and had gone through exactly the same thing. And, and, you know, so that brings some form of normality to it. And both sides were doing awful, terrible things 
things what Britain did to, to some German uh, cities like Dresden and stuff in the bombing campaigns were, were awful, awful. It, it, it was brutal uh, murder, murder. It's not a way to show the other side that you're any better than them, is to murder civilians. I mean, where, where, where is that? I, I, that? Those wars came and went within like five years that five, six years that the World War II lasted. And the first two years of it would have been people going, yeah. And then the rest of it would have been like, oh, God, how did we get here? Oh, my God, we should have thought about it a bit more. Oh, well, I, if I don't do what I'm told, I'm going to get shot. That, I mean, if you're given the, you keep going or you die, most people keep going. That's, that's the way uh, humanity works. When talking about um, the Great Reset, I see something about Great Reset and the merger of transhumanism and the destruction of of the conscious mind uh, to an extent um, as being something akin to uh, early Gnosticism. So this idea that, you know, um, Gnostics uh, back in the day believed that real God did not know that all of this creation stuff was happening. They didn't know about pain. You know, the real God didn't know about anything. This real God lives in an absence of pain, an absence of all of these things. And the the other God was this big, massive boar smoking a pipe in the in in space. And he created things, and he didn't care what he created. He just pumped them out. Here you go. I don't care if it's going to be painful. It's going to cause misery. And a lot of Gnostics believed, oh, let's just destroy everything. Because if you destroy everything, that's good. You know, um, what's the point? I, I see a lot of similarities between early Gnosticism and what happened to early Gnosticism. It was so uh, it, it 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 was so dangerous that even even the most horrible civilizations saw it as being something that was evil and and went and attacked it and drove it out because it had no soul it had no soul it actually the idea of of um uh, benevolence was the uh, the main point that that oh humans thinking about things consciousness is the evil consciousness is the evil thinking about things is the evil and that seems it's been the same nowadays oh we all got to get into a hive mind and we all got to be like one thing because everything else is evil if we if we let people keep doing stuff it's evil it's very similar to that sort of paradigm and what happens to it well it gets eradicated eventually by people who are very angry by the idea that you're gonna just discount um all of the beauty in the world and you're gonna say oh it's all evil it's all evil. So I see a lot of similarities between that two. Uh, well, one is a comment, one is a question, and then there's this whole other thing. So one, I know barely anything about Gnosticism, so you got my curiosity. I know one human being who is Gnostic, and she is swell. I mean, like, we agree many things. So now you see the conflict in my mind, so I have to go and investigate that. Well, I, I, you know, I only know a limited, maybe I've been given propaganda, anti-Gnostic propaganda that's lasted over, like, God, so many, nearly 2,000 years of anti-Gnostic propaganda. But I I do think there's, I've got the basic gist of it Uh there. No, I know nothing. So, like, you have one up on me here, but so I'll have to, I'll have to investigate. Speaking of, like, 5D propaganda, uh, it's so funny because, you know, when I was a teenager and the Soviet Union fell apart when I was a kid. And there's this whole, like, freedom. Like, the, the feeling that is completely divine, this upheaval and freedom and, you know, dancing on the pile of crap and uh, unfreedom. 
And it was so beautiful. And then for many years, I carried this feeling, like this absolute wonderful freedom and spiritual awakening and all that. And then I realized that it was actually the sound of multinationals moving into the space and clearing up the market. And it was like, oh, and like my feeling is still real, but... <laughs> But that 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 it's old so uh, incomes the new and the new looks almost as bad as the old. That's, yep. you know and that that the, vacuum needs to be filled up by people who have sense, and that's going to be really hard while we live in um. I suppose uh, I, you know it's really it, it it kind of reductionist to say capitalist society or something like that, but I I, I mean a society that revolves around greed and trauma. No, yeah, I think things. that's the emotional thing because that's even the conversation where, that I get into with people when they go like capitalism versus socialism, communism, all those things. I think that it's not about that in many ways at all, as in it's all about what's the inside and then it determines everything else because like isms are like, that's another matter. That's relevant, but not so much. And we don't have a good ism anyway. But anything that is an ism tends to be not so good. But then... Even if you take a local village, like local community, one would imagine that like that's good because local. But on the other hand, local community can be the most toxic thing ever if the internals are not in order, like envy. And so it boils down again to clarity and speaking to what you were saying. Well, and I was saying one of the things that I learned that completely blew my mind. Uh, well, I'm a big admirer of the work of Maladoma Soma, who, who was a Dagra elder. He unfortunately passed away recently. And he wrote several books. One of them went into to the extent that it was okay to talk about, about the rite of passage in, in, his, in his culture. And one of the things that struck me is just amazingly, amazingly wise in every way. So one of the first experiences, I think possibly the first experience that the teens had to go through at least based on what he wrote, was something that forced them to experience this absolute love. Like absolute love, loving, being loved. And that was the fundamental. They couldn't go past to other things until they did that. And other things were extremely tough and dangerous. And But that was, and it makes so much sense because I'm thinking that a kid who was by luck, in today's world, if, if the kid experienced that love and respect for his soul or her soul, without even those fancy words, but that feeling, that kid is so much better off. And then, of yeah. course, there's this thing when the kid faces the world and the world is messed up. That, I, I, you know, I'm talking about that's the, oh, like, why? Like, why? I mean, but without that experience of love, it is so much harder and it's just walking in circle and it's so important. The, the, the tool of empathy, you know, you're given the tool of empathy that an, an uh, emotional uh, understanding is going to, it's, it changes the world. It changes the world. But you know what happens uh, in the current structure to those people if they get into a position where they can influence other people to do the same, they get I think shot they in the head. They don't live very long. Yeah, they get shot in the head. They get they get uh, taken off somewhere, and they get murdered. I mean, they, again, in this country, there was um oh, I can't remember his guy uh, the guy's name, but he was a very famous Chilean musician, and he was like like a 
in in France, you've got uh, George Brassens who like connects with the culture and 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 the sort of like the feeling of French people. And you have this in every single culture. You have one of those old acoustic guitar carrying yeah. musicians who who touches um, and and is able to uh, mix words round, use double entendres, use yeah. use double meanings all over their their lyrics, so that people can empathize and connect with a deeper understanding of love and affection and stuff um and this guy um he he during the pinochet years was taken to a stadium full of people um and he was tortured with his fingers broken on stage and he was m- pushed off the top oh. of a, a, a big building um so so that everybody could know that's what happens if you've got that sort of emotional content um inside and you've got that ability to to make other people understand that that's the type of thing that happens to people who are able to open that up and that's that's uh extreme fear from a group of people who don't understand what that means um or don't understand how to connect to that but understand what that will eventually mean for their own rule for their own power um and they're usually the power that's that's gained nowadays is um Again, I'll use the word vacuous. It's got nothing there. It's it's empty power. It's just I'm here to 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 be in control, and I don't know even what that means. And you know, they they're just passing on their trauma a bit more. But people who are able to repair uh, trauma to be able to connect with people are usually the first ones to be tortured and murdered by um, the modern uh, civilization, and maybe not in in that such. Uh, obvious, like <laughs> visceral way, <laughs> visual way. Um, often they are they are murdered by not given any opportunity to breathe uh, and and express their art. Nowadays, I mean, if you go back to the fifties and sixties and seventies, the music was expressive and it connected with your soul. Um, nowadays, it goes. Right. And 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 then all of these women who are, are all dolled up to look like children who are sexualized um and and it makes no sense uh it, you know it just it just it distracts 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 has no emotional content at all and you can see in media how emotion has been taken away especially in this country you you honestly um the news in in chile and and the mainstream media in chile is it tw- is 20 times worse than cnn and stuff it's even it's not it's possible even, I know, I know you would think that, wouldn't you? But they have no reference outside. They only get that. They only get that. They don't get, you know, channels from other places. They don't see other people's news. They're in a closed network. And this happens every country around the world, apart from a couple, um, have that. And each of the the uh, people who rule that keep it like that and form it to be more like that so they take away out all of the emotional content so people do not question and you will not get your music heard or you will not get your art seen or you will not get your movies made um if they connect with people on a way that makes them question things because questioning is bad of course in the modern world because you know where that leads People with oh. their head chopped off, <laughs> people up top get getting taken up to the gallows um, and revolution. That's what happens there. Well, we should all protect each other. I think that's mm-hmm. that's really what it boils down to. 
Yeah. And now I have a question in a different realm, although you mentioned something. I am curious. It just so happened, the coincidence. A few days ago, I was talking to a dear friend who is uh, great integrity, completely, like, completely wonderful, solid, uh, on board with all this, and a great fan of Unlimited Hangout. So they read an article about Barbara, and their comment to me was that it was completely misinterpreted. And I mean, like, they were very soulful about it. They were like, but but they know somebody who know who knew her or something like that. And they said that, I mean, they don't doubt that the intention was good, but they think it was just like, that was an example of where a bias led somebody into the direction of misinterpretation. I have not researched her. So like that brought up a question in my head. It so happened that you mentioned her. Like I was mm-hmm. not even planning to talk about it, but mm-hmm. what, what do what, what what tell me everything you know? Well, for, uh, no, Barbara Marks Hubbard is a complicated one. It wasn't me who wrote that article. Right, I, I, know, I, know, I know. I know who I know. wrote that article, and I I I, I read it before it went up. Um, I, I was lucky enough to read it before it went up, and it was scathing on on her and uh, her beliefs. And I can understand why, because some of it is really kooky. And this this woman inspires people like Bill Gates, and we mm-hmm. see where that leads. But there's also, for me, the real problem I have, and the, what lets down, <laughs> number one, she says stuff like what I said earlier, which is, uh, right. you know, Facebook is like, will be like the nervous system for, for this combined transhumanist, like it, it, things like that are, are mental, but also some of the things she said about children and um, why it's all right to, you know, have sexual relations with children, the, that stuff, I, that's out of her own mouth. Um, she, w- w- if if people are like, oh yeah, it's misinterpreted. Well, to misinterpret her, you have to ignore half of what she says, because it's out of her own mouth. These things, um, there's another part coming to that, and that will go deeper into detail about what I just said there. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what what I see within these people are people who are so desperate to have this um like a lot of the time to live forever to have extended lifetimes mm-hmm. um to to have this idea of us all joining together into a hive mind for for these people it may sound nice but what they're saying is everybody has to do that and that's how everything will be and you won't have a choice about it because this is what we're creating now, I, I mean, anytime anybody says all of this stuff, and it comes, if you really look into her deeply, you 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 start to say, "Oh God, she's she, I don't want I don't want to be connected with this woman in any way." Um, and the people she hangs around with, exactly the same. Some of the stuff they say is 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 beyond. It, it doesn't make any sense. I, I understand. I, you know, I I, I do. I, I what I like is I like. Um, uh, writing for somewhere like Unlimited Hangout, where you can have articles that cause that sort of uh, divide amongst people who who are usually on your side, but can be like, well, I don't agree with that. Some people, they they they, you know, they see these like Barbara Marks Hubbard as a nice older lady 
who's only caring and is really kind, but she's been put up there for that reason. She's been funded because if the real people who want this agenda, if the majority of people who want this agenda mm-hmm. were to say the things she say, you'd go, oh, what a disgusting human being. But because she's a kind older woman, then it's not so bad. You know, it, 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 it's all about the front so i i know i i don't know everything i know mm-hmm. about what i've read but i've also done uh, before that article was written i i heard about barbara marks hubbard the first time i heard about her was about a year before and i looked into her um and, and it made some of the stuff made me shudder and some of the sentences sentences she say i mean if you go, go online put in barbara marks hubbard quotes like uh, about probably two-thirds of them will be like oh that's acceptable and then a third of them will be like oh my god who is this woman and why would anybody leave her next to anything so i i i, I think it's selective it's very selective hearing um you've got to take a character like that who is is on the forefront of trying to uh, inject the world with transhumanism? Uh, sorry to use that that inject. People are very. <laughs> I think they've had enough of it. <laughs> um, you have to take everything they say, not just part of it, because a lot of the people who push for these agendas have other agendas underneath. You know, have uh, believe in other things underneath. So, I'm not an expert on Barbara Marks Hubbard, but I think you would be able to get the person who wrote that article um, to actually come on and talk in detail. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. Well, of course, I would have to do a lot of investigation before because right now I did not look into her really much at yeah. all. From what I understand, and again, that, as told to me by my friend, because I, I am yet to look at it, I didn't have time. So. She was doing all of that, but then she kind of came around and she almost like denounced or in some sort what she was doing before, yeah, which convenient. is a part of her. But I mean, like, that's also, I mean, I don't know what it was. In yeah, her, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also like some of the things that I said yeah, when I was younger, dear Lord, like I would be right now like that. That was stupid. And mm-hmm. But she continued to work with the same people who are putting forward the transhumanist agenda, which is horrible. Um, she continued to support them. She's continued, or uh, up until her death, she continued to align with those people. However, and and a lot of those people, um, I think what she says is what they really want to say, but they can't say it because they're not a kindly old looking Possibly. lady. You might be right because yeah, I, like I say, I'm the same as you. Um, that article was most of what I've. Uh, read about her but I'd already been uh, she was already on my radar I'd already s- seen and she's written this stuff within books and especially the stuff about children um, I, I I mean when someone when someone has that sort of view and opinion they they're out of they're out of my good book straight away they can they can rot they can rot I, I can't I, I mean maybe again that's biased from my own uh, my own experiences that I've already told you about. I, I I find protection of children being the most important thing for not only the children and for the current period, but for the future, for building up a society that's fair. We need people who have an understanding of what fair is and who aren't traumatized and passing on that trauma to other people. Um, um, oh, I mean, like, I, I completely hear you. Again, I, I would have to look. I know very, very little about it. It just came up because those yes. people told me and then you, you talked about it. And so now, what are you working on? What do you want to talk about as oh. far as the proper technical detail? 
<laughs> I'm working on a, um, a few things. Uh, one, of, one, one of the, the uh, I mean, I have probably about three articles lined up that follow um, uh, Schwab Family Values and Dr. Klaus Schwab um, articles. So uh, one of them will be out relatively soon. I'm, I'm most of the way through it, and it's coming together quite well. It's quite deep into looking at um, the program involved that uh, Klaus Schwab was uh, kind of inducted into, but where that originally came from and the people involved. And it's uh, honestly, I mean, for, for me, I again, I don't know this information until I've researched it. I, 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 I it's, it's so weird when, when I started writing, um, I, I, I was like, how can I find these things that no one else has, have looked into? But the truth is, is that other people have looked into a lot of this. This just scattered. And what a lot of my work is, is trying to like put all of those pieces of evidence, um, that other people have found, putting them together in one place because that's what people haven't done they haven't told the story in full they've told a little bit here a little bit there a little bit in this book a little bit in that book a little bit in a, a little bit of has come out in this paper or a little bit has come out in this paper um and and so i, I there's the the next one is going to be very interesting i i tell you the cast of characters is unbelievable and where it leads, I had no idea. So, it, I mean, that's an article that starts off really in 1947, 1942 to 1947, goes through the 50s and comes up all the way to uh, very recent times. And the cast of characters are ones I never expected to be in there. They are some of the biggest names around and it's quite fascinating so that one i'm looking forward to the the follow-up to the the next one to the piece after that is kind of an exploration into someone who wow he was a special a special sort and 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 a group of people who um a lot of people talk about but i don't think a lot of people understand who they are or and and a lot of times they're misquoted there, there things are said oh they said this or they said that um like henry kissinger himself it, people really jump on the the fact that uh someone will put out a quote like the depopulation quote uh that, right. that goes around about henry kissinger and then there'll be someone and i i know that um uh someone the other day uh tony goslin actually um a, a, an ex-bbc journalist who's um he's had me on this show right at the beginning uh of my 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 research into nicole youngerman who was an epstein associate um uh, who, who epstein associate over a 20-year period so not just a one-time deal um who worked also with like intelligence linked uh people he 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 said, "Oh, you've got to be really careful and source all the quotes." But the problem is, I I've, 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 when I saw that, I thought, "Well, you know, I'm doing a work that's leading me up to that period in Kissinger's life. I may as well look at this depopulation quote." And what I discovered is that nearly every single paper that as uh, it contains parts of these quotes or these quotes have been taken offline. So it's it's really hard to source things that don't no longer exist in in the world, and that's part of the deletion of history. And then people will misquote things or sl like put 
three or four sentences together and put it under one quote. Um, but the the essence of the quote itself is completely correct. Yeah, the, the you know, you can't source it because it's just disappeared. And people say, oh, it's this document. And I've gone to the document. Some people have said it is, and it is in that document. It That document said it has the essence of it. But someone's, if it's that document and someone's uh, paraphrased it um, and added a couple of extra bits to it. So, you know, I, I, I'm doing I'm doing a lot of research into that period, but I'm also working on um, uh, what's probably going to be a three or four part series. Um, hopefully will go up on um, UK column news, uh, this one. They, I, I pitched it to them. It's not really because because not everything I write is is suitable for Unlimited Hangout. Unlimited Hangout has a very certain uh, area that it focuses on. Uh, this one is an extraordinary story. Um, it's the death of multiple women uh, throughout the 50s um, going on to uh, look like it was, it, they were murdered by intelligence operations um, and made to look like accidents, every single one of them. And it was all to take over a certain thing within London, a certain selection of uh, businesses, you could say. I'm I'm being very careful about it because I don't want to give it away too much. Um, It includes everyone from the royal family to gangsters like the Crays, the Cray twins, um, uh, through to some of the most, uh, like, biggest... Affairs that happened, uh, the White House, Kennedy, um, all linked, all linked. It's an amazing, an amazing journey, and ends up with this most bizarre guy who is an open Satanist, and these parties which were just completely beyond what you can imagine, and all of it is documented all over the place and uh, I, I mean it, that felt that those three stories if I it, you know if I get a bit spooky and kooky here um, I felt like I was I was drawn to those by um, some of the women who were murdered uh, I, I felt I, I, I know that sounds I, I, I discovered something one night I had to look into one line Whitney's writing a book at the moment She's nearly finished it, and it's an extraordinary book, more extraordinary than anything I can even imagine writing. Um, I'm not going to tell you what's in there because there's a a thousand big things in there, and it's taken a bit of a while. It's been delayed a little bit because she's dug so well that she's discovered things that no one else has discovered. And it's really going to be an adventure. I mean, for a lot of people, it's going to just blow people's minds. She asked me to look into one line. She said, can you have a little look at this and see if there's any truth in it? And and it ended up in uh, in what's really a a three-part story with a one-part spin-off as well. The one-part spin-off is extremely interesting. It's about a man who was decapitated and had his legs chopped off and chucked out of an airplane. And uh, and, and it, it, honestly, so some of the stories that are out there are just bizarre. Um, uh, onwards, there's um, other, there's something happening within the supposed Epstein victim front, which I I can't go into full detail. 
but needs to be exposed heavily. One of the most amazing, I, I again, come across some stuff um, and then I had some experiences with one of the Epstein victims. Um, and it's led to me to down a rabbit hole that I did not expect. In actual fact, I, I, I believed everything that was written down about the Epstein case um, to an extent, you know, like anybody does, they take in the information and it all seems real. But then I discovered a load of things where it's like, this doesn't make any sense. And then I found a load of people who were really, really, uh, uh, really fantastic researchers and not actual researchers. They're just obsessed with the truth and they're out there trying to hunt it down. And I'm working with a fair few people who uh, we're going to we're going to blow something wide open something serious wide open and i i did a tweet about it i just said you know i'm working on something in the moment and when it's done heads will roll and i believe this this may uh this this may be one of the most important articles that um i i've written for uh getting history right because there has been something that's happened behind the scenes that no one really realizes has gone on um there was a lot of money involved in the epstein death you know and the epstein death itself of course everybody knows it's suspicious why it happened nobody you know oh did he hang himself did someone else was he off well i think i got a good sort of grasp of why that went on and um and that will be coming eventually so i'm working on a lot of these um i mean i, I what i try and do i when i first started off i'd write and i'd research an article and researching would take so long uh on one article uh, because there's so much to do that I'd produce an article every like four to six months and I'd have to do like little ones that were, were just like family history right, stuff right, right. in between. Well, well, now I kind of do five all at the same time. And when I've like, when my mind is fuzzy about one, it's like, oh my God, there's so much information there. And I've written a load of it down and I'll go on to the next one and I'll start doing a different thing to kind of like clear up. And then it's like, it's almost like, you know, you, you, you get bored of one drink and you have another drink and then you go back to the other drink again you know? <laughs> it's, it's like that so I, I i've got lots of stuff happening and constantly people are coming to me nowadays with information um uh, you know it's 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 a different it's a bit of a different world for me now because uh, it's also a lot of people who um i feel like i'm there's there's big guys trying to infiltrate you could say um my work as well you know, there's a, a lot of people who I've obviously made a couple of waves here and there with articles. And now I have really weird emails sometimes from really weird people. And they think that I'm an idiot. And then I look into them and I'm like, oh, God, I'm not an idiot, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and then what I do is I, 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 let them, I let them continue to think I'm an idiot while I'm basically investigating them with their own words. <laughs> and people, it's really interesting. When, when you read a sentence or when someone says something to you, you can, you can see, after a while, you can see what they really mean, what they're really mm -hmm. saying, and, and you understand 
the psychology behind words. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, I've got no, I, I've got post-it notes up here, some crazy post-it notes hanging around on my window with all sorts of different things, all sorts of different names on there. Um, and so I got a lot of work to do. Um, it, it, I hopefully I'll be able to do it before someone does what, what happened to some of the, uh, Oh, one of the the uh, Clinton people recently. If you know, if you heard about Mark Middleton, who got hung up from a tree by an extension cord and shot in the chest by a shotgun, um, and it was an accidental death or something. Well, let that not happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm hoping it's not going to happen. Um, but you know, I mean, what we're doing now is we're digging away in really dangerous places. So there's a lot of people out there who are really worried. To be perfectly honest, they tend to sort out their own camp so that there's no evidence that can go into court because they can they can try and ignore us as best they can eventually i don't know how long that can last for because we are caught we are going to cause some trouble <laughs> we are going to cause some trouble so basically i'm writing a load of really varied articles that are all going to be troublemaking articles and when whitney's book comes out it's going to blow the minds of loads of people i really mean below people's minds clean out the back of their heads they're gonna say holy you know they're they're, it's it's amazing stuff so so we're on a really exciting place right now really enjoying life um happy we got got a little baby got life going well in a sense um things are still hard because life is hard for everybody at the moment, especially with what's going on with inflation, the purposeful crash of the economy and, and all of that. And, and, and you know, we, oh God, you look around and see what's happening. You see the president of America is a senile old man who can't even ride a bike anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, really, it's really crazy times we're living in. And it's meant to be that way. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to, you know, make it, we're trying to rationalize. I mean, that's what all, all journalists, investigative journalists do. They try and rationalize what's actually happening in a situation, but we're trying to focus in on the things that are important. Um, and a lot of what's happening right now isn't actually important. A lot of what's happening right now is all distraction to stop you from seeing an agenda that's been going on for years and years and years. And so we're trying to build up those um, evidence, sourced evidence of those agendas and and it's going to be really exciting times well bless you i mean being a soviet person i cannot say anything idealistic in response because i know it's a real game i just pray for protection for all of us and that it's good let's hope let's hope well thank you thank you for for your work and for your spirit and i hope the the, the baby's doing better and better and again send my love to whitney so it was awesome. Yeah, well. ah, awesome. Thank you for having me and thank you for, for listening and thank you for putting stuff out because uh, without people doing that, we're just not heard. We're just in the darkness. Well, as they say, be safe. We will. We'll try.